0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I'm so glad you're here this morning. if you're a guest, my name's David and it is my privilege to be able to crack open God's word with you this morning for just a little while as we continue with this series that we began last week that is part of a bigger theme this year this year we are basing our theme at Riverside out of a text in the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of followers that they were to since they were in, since they were living by the Spirit they were supposed to keep in step with the spirit and so this year we're challenging ourselves we're inviting 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 you to step forward, to keep in step with God's Spirit. And to do that last series, we began with Jesus. you got to step forward with Jesus. This one is all about stepping forward with the power of Jesus. And so last week, we began a message series entitled, With Power, and we started in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. So I'm going to invite you, if you would today, to turn to Acts chapter 2. And that's in your New Testament. You're going to want a Bible this morning, because we're going to walk through some things. So if you need a paper Bible, there are some down there below you. If you have uh, the Riverside app, you can go inside of there. And if you're a guest today, somebody brought you this morning with, with them, or maybe you walked around the mall before and you saw us, I would love to meet you after the service. I'll be out with the rest of our leaders out front after the service is over. We want you to feel a part of the Riverside family, and we hope that you'll continue to investigate Jesus as you come here. Maybe you're already convinced of who Jesus is. You're already following But if you're not, we hope that as you begin that process or consider beginning that process, that you begin to take some steps forward. For those of you who are already followers of Jesus, you have to be able to see as we walk through this particular series, that you really can't keep in step with Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're really gonna unpack this morning as we look at what is commonly known as a text that shows us the birthday of Jesus' movement, the birthday of the church. But this morning, what we're going to look at is just a little bit different angle on it than perhaps you've heard me teach or preach before. Uh, If you've been in a group with me, you may have heard some of this content before, but but maybe you've never heard what we're going to talk about this morning. But what I want to begin with today is as we look at this idea that it's time to step forward, I want to submit to you that timing is everything, isn't it? I mean, think about the conversations that you've had even this week. Timing is everything as it relates to when you talk to your wife about whatever it might be, or when you approach your husband. So if you're a morning person like I am, you can come to me in the morning and I'm all ready. 6 a.m., bam, let's have whatever deep conversation you have you wanna have. How many are with me? We're gonna talk deep at 6 a.m., yes. Now, the rest of you, you're still not awake yet and you're kinda grumpy even having to be here this morning. You don't wanna talk. Now, how many of you are like me and after eight o'clock, you're, you can't even form a sentence at night? Yeah, 8 o'clock at night, yeah, I'm dead, I'm ready to go to bed. Timing is everything. Students, timing is everything when it, go, when it comes to going and asking for some money, right? Timing is everything when it comes to going and asking for the car keys, Timing is everything when you go a parents to your kids to have that conversation. They've had a terrible day at school, and they're walking in, and you want to have this really deep, serious conversation with them. Timing is everything. And you know that when the timing is good, when the timing is on, you can have one conversation and it can be completely different. See, here's what I've learned. First couple of years of being on staff with Bill, I knew when I walked into his office, hey, do you have a minute? Uh-huh. Yeah. I got time, come on in. That was not the time to have the conversation I needed to have with him because he's locked in on there, right? You gotta be able to walk away from the computer. You gotta be able to walk away from the TV. Timing is everything. You can have completely different experiences depending on the time. How about with regard to time, we wait for things. How many hate to wait? I hate waiting. Timing is everything when it comes to relationships. You see her, but it's not the right time. You see her again a few months later and man, now the time is right and you lock eyes and ah, there it is. How about the time, we, we, our family's been kind of wrestling with this in a couple of different ways recently. So uh, anybody turning 16 here in the next few weeks or months. Let me see your hands. Got a 16-year-old coming. Yeah, all right. So um, timing is everything when it comes to when your birthday is and being able to take your written test, right? So Jenna just turned 16 on Saturday. Wouldn't you know it, Columbus Day happened to be that weekend, so not only were they closed on Saturday, but they're also closed on Monday. Timing is everything. You have your birthday on Saturday, but you have to wait all day Saturday, all day Sunday, all day Monday, and finally Tuesday comes around. You'd think it was like the return of Jesus. She was so excited. (laughs) I am happy to tell you that she passed, and uh, now watch out on the roads, okay? So we're in that training period now, so pray for me. I need... Prayer. Timing is everything. Don't let me take her out late at night. It's going to be ugly. It's got to be early morning. So, you hate the waiting days. You hate those seasons when you're wait when you're waiting. And what I want to submit to you this morning is that whether the waiting or the timing is good or bad, God's in the middle of all of that. In fact, I would submit to you that keeping in step with the Spirit has a lot to do with timing. If you're going to keep in step with the Spirit, you need to be able to, God's saying, yes, it's time to go left. Now it's right, left, right, left, right, like you're in a march. And when you're keeping in step with the Spirit and you're embracing what we're gonna talk about today, you will see that God's timing is amazing. God's timing is so very perfect. Now, most of us struggle when it comes to this. It is a real battle. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're saying, oh, well, that must be easy. (laughs) Nope. We often either run ahead or we lag behind or we get wandering off in some other direction that we were never meant to go in and we end up being out of step with God's spirit or we have a hard time trusting God with the timing issues. We want things to happen on our timetable rather than on God's cosmic rhythm timing is everything. We learned that in my own family here in the last couple of weeks. My daughter had her son born eight weeks early. He's been in the NIC unit ever since then, and we're waiting on, you know, it's amazing how much eight weeks difference can make for the development of a heart and development of lungs. And you look at that, and you say, God, Help us to trust your timing. We don't understand that. We're watching this and it seems helpless and we have a struggle with that. How about when you ask the question of and you feel that tension of, when is it time to share my faith with somebody else? When is it time to tell my friends at work that I'm actually a follower of Jesus? When is it time to keep my mouth shut? How do I know that? How do I trust God with the timing issues of life. Anybody ever feel that tension before where you're not sure if you're supposed to speak up or whether you're supposed to remain quiet? I'm a pastor, it's what I do for a living, and I still wonder, should I talk or should I shut up? Should I tell them about Jesus, should I not? And sometimes you just learn that the hard way. You swing and you miss. But the question for us today is, can God, our Heavenly Father, be trusted when it comes to timing. You could ask Abraham or Abram and Sarai. They're promised that they're gonna have a son. 25 years later, he comes. We can't wait 25 minutes, much less 25 years. Ask Noah and his family. He's told to build an ark upwards of 75 years later, perhaps. We don't know for sure, but a long, long time, he has to wait for rain. He's never even seen rain. (laughs) He's building a boat 75 years. Or how about King David? He's anointed king. He's told as a young boy, hey, you're gonna be king. And then 14 years later, he actually becomes king. Now for us, here's the challenge. We read it and we go two pages over, oh look, he's king, bam, 14 years. We don't like to wait 14 hours for something. And here's David. Judah, the nation of Judah, is in exile. God says, you guys will get out of this exile. But it's in my timing. Seventy years they wait. Timing is everything. The prophet Malachi speaks to the nation of Israel. And he says, there's going to be a new Elijah coming. during that time of waiting, 400 years go by between that last book of the Old Testament and the beginning of Matthew where John the Baptist shows up and they're waiting for 400 years in silence. Imagine 400 years, we wouldn't even be here. We'd still be waiting for something that never showed up. We don't like to wait. It's hard for us to get a hold of God's timing The question that I want to help you to see here as we get going as it relates to this whole idea of Pentecost is this. When you read the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, he's raised from the dead. Why didn't Jesus send his powerful Holy Spirit right there at the resurrection? You ever thought about that? He knows he's going to send it, but why wait? Or He's around for 40 days. He comes and goes, and he appears to more than 500 followers. He has all these conversations with them. He restores Peter. He helps Doubting Thomas. He works through all of that stuff, but yet he sends the Holy Spirit several days after. Why, Why didn't he send him at the ascension? Why is this birthday of Jesus' movement put off for the seasons that it was for those 50 days. Well, that's what we're gonna begin to unpack because God's timing is perfect and timing is everything. And whether you're in a season of waiting for something that I've not even thought of or talked about, but you know inside, or maybe you've been in that season where you've got a spouse or a friend or a loved one, who is in that journey of faith and you're wondering how in the world, when do I share? When do I remain silent? How do I know? Can you trust God's timetable in all of that? What I hope when we walk through this scripture today is that you'll be able to walk and say, God, walk away with God, you are trustworthy as it comes to time. That when it's time for me to step forward, it'll be clear. And even if it's not clear, I still will trust you in the timing. And if I mess up, I know, God, that you're capable of going above and beyond. But if you're gonna step forward with power, you gotta have this power. The question was, why did Jesus not send it right away? In Acts chapter one, we talked about this briefly last week. I wanna just connect you with a couple of passages. Actually, we'll start in Luke 24, 49. It's not in your notes, but you can just jot it down. You can look at it if you want. Luke 24, 49. This is the account of the life of Jesus from Luke's perspective. Here's what he says that Jesus said after the resurrection. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He says, I'm going to clothe you with something. We call it power. Jesus says, we're going to send you something. Me, my heavenly father, we're going to send you this power, but wait. Then in Acts chapter one, verses four and five, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. (laughs) That pesky little word, wait. Why not right now, Jesus? Come on, bring it on. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a few days, you will be baptized You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, verse 8, which is really the theme of this series, you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking to them. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, And in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's why you and I are here today. Because God's timing was perfect. They received the power. And we now have the opportunity to operate in that power ourselves. God created time for timing's sake. And his timing is perfect. And so as we're gonna walk through this, I'm gonna submit to you that the day that the church was birthed was unbelievably intentional. There were no coincidences. There are no coincidences when it comes to our heavenly father. I've gotta take you back though, all the way back to your Old Testament. I'm gonna try to give you a real clean, clear synopsis of how we get to the power of the story that we're gonna read in Acts 2. It starts with Abraham. He's far away But God calls him and he decides to follow. And God says, I'm gonna make an amazing nation out of you. And so Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. Isaac has a son. His name is Jacob. Jacob has a whole bunch of kids. One of them is named Joseph. He's taken to Egypt. And Egypt is where the family of Israel begins to be birthed. They're not Israel yet, but they become a great nation right there inside of it. They're subjected to slavery, oppression, bondage, They're under the boot heel of the Egyptians, but God sends Joseph into that to help redeem and rescue his people. And they grow and they grow and they grow during that time. And then in the middle of all that, you've probably known the story, Moses shows up and Moses is now going to help them to find their way out of captivity under the power of God. 430 years. Pay attention to the numbers today. 430 years they're in slavery. They're in captivity and bondage under the nation of Egypt. But God has a plan all along and Passover is where we begin this morning in our story. Passover is the account that happens in Exodus chapter 12. It's the account of Israel being rescued. It's being released Being liberated. Whenever you see the Passover, anytime, that's picturing their rescue, their liberation, their releasing from bondage. Moses shows up and God speaks to the people. And he tells them in Exodus chapter 12 that they are to pay attention and celebrate this Passover. He tells them that it's supposed to be the first month of the year. Very important for the timing. First month of the year. We call that, or back then they called it Nisan or Abib. So if you're driving a Nissan, you're driving the first month of the Israelite calendar. On the 10th day, very specific, God says, the 10th day of this first month in your calendar, you are to slaughter a lamb. And that lamb is slaughtered and you're to put the blood on the doorposts. And that is what the celebration, you've heard it before, if you've been in church before, the death angel passes over and God says, you're going to be freed from the liberation and you're going to be freed from the bondage and the slavery and the oppression that you have experienced. So that exactly happens. That death angel passes over and the firstborn everywhere is killed that night. And it's a mess. And Pharaoh says, get out of here. And tucked away as they leave, tucked away in this story of a liberation, of a freedom from oppression and bondage and slavery is Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. I want you to notice it with me. It says there, And I don't know about you, but many times you think, hey, it was just the Israelites that went out. But notice what the writer says here. Many other people went up with them. In other words, outsiders, people from other nations went up with them who had been in slavery, who had been in bondage, who had themselves been oppressed, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. In the Hebrew, that word for many other people is rob, it's a mixed multitude. It means a motley crew, a conglomeration, a rag tag group of people. That's where I would have been. I would have been in that mixed motley crew. But God says in the middle of this rescuing, in the middle of this liberation, in the middle of this freedom, all sorts of people are invited into that both the nation of Israel, as well as outsiders. And as slaves, they weren't freed until Pharaoh was eliminated. That takes us to Exodus chapter 14. And there we see that the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and the Egyptians are engulfed by the waters as they tried to cross. And then you read Exodus 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And as they go across the land, you'll see several big things that happen there. They celebrate their newfound freedom the freedom from this bondage and captivity. God provides them with manna and quail and Moses' leadership is established. They travel for 50 days. So you begin with Passover, representing freedom from bondage and slavery. Now you're gonna come to Pentecost 50 days later. And as they come 50 days later, they show up at the foot of Mount Sinai. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, you can just jot this down, verses nine through 12, God originally commanded them to celebrate Pentecost. It was a festival with a freewill offering for the blessings of their grain harvest. It's Shavat in the Hebrew. The Greek, where we get it from is the idea of Pentecost. It was the end of, it was the celebration of the grain harvest. That's how it started. But don't miss this. It eventually became the celebration of the giving of the law. Pentecost eventually became the celebration of the giving of the Ten Commandments and the law to the people. You get to Exodus 19 and 20, the Ten Commandments are given there. You know them, you've heard them growing up. If you've been in church any length of time, if you're not in church, you know the big ones. Don't kill, don't steal, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't take stuff, other stuff, don't lie, all of that stuff. Don't take God's name. All of that was given in Exodus 19 and 20. And the people there, God establishes them as a nation there. He says, now you belong to me. He gives them an identity. And he says, you are called to show the world what God's love is like as a nation. You see, it's not just about you guys. Remember that ragtag, that rob of people that came along? The outsiders are there as well, and they're included in God's plan. And they get to Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. Notice the timing on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt. On that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. And you drop down to verse 16 and watch what happens now. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. In that moment, when God is speaking to his people, he's giving them their identity and he's pointing them out, not just inward, but outward. He's saying, hey, this mixed group of people that are with you, they're included in all of this. I'm coming down, I'm coming with fire. There are two major characteristics that you'll see there in those things. When it says that there is thunder and lightning, that word for thunder in the Hebrew is the word coal. It literally can be rendered and there was voices firefalls, smoke, and voices. They were hearing all kinds of things. It was an incredible, powerful display of the supremacy, the authority, the lordship of God Almighty. And notice that God sets up his kingdom on earth through the Israelites when they are not under the slavery and bondage of Egypt. Nothing's happened with the Babylonians. Nothing's happened with the Assyrians. Nothing's happened with the Romans. They are free from all of that. God is ruler. God is supreme over his people. And he establishes their identity there at the foot of that mountain and smoke, fire, and voices are spoken over the people. Now there at Mount Sinai, God Speaks to Moses and he gives him the dates and he gives him the observances of all of the seven feasts and all of the seven festivals. Kindly, Leviticus 23 puts them all in one spot. So if you want to jot that down, Leviticus 23, you can go there later. But here are the names that you'll see of those various feasts. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks are the ones that we're concerned with. And here's what I want you, don't miss this. If you've fallen asleep in the history lesson, don't miss this. God kept the feasts himself. God never asks us to do something that he himself isn't willing to do himself. So we look at a Passover, Jesus is crucified there during the Passover. Just a few days later, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He's buried there. Then at the feet—let's go back. Feast of Fruits. Jesus is raised. That's our Easter. It all corresponds to this. Jesus, uh, God said, "You know what? I'm asking all of you to give the very first and the very best." of your labor, of your harvest, and I am going to do it as well. I'm gonna give you the very first and the very best, my own son, for you and for me. Then he said, you know what? 50 days later, I want you to celebrate at the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. I want you to celebrate and I'm gonna send you my spirit and that's exactly what he did. So God says in Malachi, he's going to send this forerunner, this John the Baptist guy, 400 years of silence go. You add the 400 and you add the roughly 30-ish years that Jesus is alive before all of this happens. And guess what? 430 years, the Israelites are in captivity, bondage, and slavery. 400 years from that time up to the time of Jesus, it's such a beautiful picture that God's timing is always running behind the scenes. His sovereignty and his control are always there. Even when things are spinning out of control for us, we can see that. So Jesus shows up on the scene and I want to help you to see the parallel here from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So here we have In Exodus chapter 12, this is the the Rob, that that, uh, motley crew ragtag. Here's the Passover. If you go to Matthew chapter 26, you'll read there about Jesus celebrating the very thing that they were memorializing there at the Passover. It's all there so clearly in Matthew 26. Several days later in Exodus 14 and 15, you see the liberation that occurs. As Pharaoh is defeated, he is plunged into the Red Sea and they're freed. The bondage and slavery is over. And then you get Matthew 26. That's the resurrection. Sin and slavery to the oppression of our brokenness is broken right there. And we are liberated from that right there. And then 50 days later, you get to Exodus 19 when God speaks at Sinai and he speaks over them those words. And he says, you're going to be a people that's not just about yourselves. You're going to be a people that's about the nations and you're going to reach the nations. And that's exactly what we're gonna see that happens in Acts chapter two because on that day, God was doing so much more than we can even understand with our Western understanding of things. Ezekiel chapter one and verse four, there were texts every single time they did feasts, every single time they did uh, celebrations of things. They would read texts in honor of that. Listen to what, uh, this is one of the ones they would have read. Ezekiel 1.4, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. Perhaps they were reading that. I don't know, I wasn't there. I the text doesn't tell us, but somewhere deep down, this is kind of the kind of thing that's happening in the Jewish celebration that day. The Jews are going on about their business. The disciples, they're up in, in a room and they're praying and they're waiting They've been waiting since the ascension. 10 days they've been waiting. And now God's timing is perfect because Jesus has been crucified. He has been raised from the dead. 40 days goes by, he goes to the father. He says, wait until you have been clothed with power from on high. And now the timing is perfect. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as I read Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, lot of debate as to how many exact years, roughly 1400 years from Sinai now to this moment. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They all see, uh, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem some God-fearing Jews, notice, from every nation under heaven. Every nation is included in this birth of Jesus' movement. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, res- uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Lib- uh, Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews, and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. We have to use words. And the Holy Spirit gives us a diversified speech to reach everyone around us. He did it then, and he's doing it today. And again, in those verses, looking back, celebrating smoke and fire and the voice of God and the establishment of God's family in Exodus 19 and in Exodus 20. And now, in that moment, they're celebrating and looking back and remembering that. And in that moment, fire falls, smoke, voices of God, and it's outreaching the nations. Somebody ought to say, Hallelujah, look at the timing of God Almighty. You can have a seat. There's not spectating going on with these people. They're not simply being inspired, they're going to be witnesses and they're going to give themselves completely to it. Notice there's the power there, the sound of a blowing of a violent wind. The power of the sound, it turns people upside down It it turns an ear. The sound pointed people up. It exceeded the experience that they could have ever had in their minds. It proclaims and invites us to follow him. Stepping forward with power has a sound. We have to step forward with that sound. And it happens as we trust God's timing. If you look at the rest of Acts 2, you'll see Peter's message. He gets up and they say, you know, look at these people, they're crazy, they're drunk. Peter says, Nope, no drunkenness going on here. Rather, he quotes the Old Testament Joel, Old Testament prophet Joel, Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. Peter says, quoting to the crowd that day, who's watching all of this happening? He says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter continues that message and he says, hey, that Messiah that we've been waiting for all of these years, you remember those 430 years of silence and all that stuff going on? He says, Jesus is actually the Messiah you've been waiting for. You've actually been waiting and you completely missed him. You killed 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 him. I can see Peter right there. You, you, you. Hey, yeah, you remember. You're the, actually the one that drove the nails through. His head. He's pointing that out to them right then and there. He says, you killed him. But God raised him from the dead. We've seen him alive. He now sits at the right hand of the Father. You didn't defeat him. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Now say you're sorry. And they did. They were cut to the heart when they realized what they had done and they missed it all along. They repented. And remember what we said earlier, the feast, the harvest that would come in, Pentecost, Pentecost, started out as a celebration, a free will offering of the beautiful, bountiful harvest that had come in. Notice the harvest that day, that day of Pentecost. Acts chapter two and verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Incidentally, Why did you get an email from me this week inviting you to be baptized? Because of that right there. Put this into practice. Step forward, get into a tank, and say, yes, I belong to Jesus. Don't want the fear of being up in front. Don't want the fear of not being perfect yet. If you've repented, if you've been added to the number and the family of God, If you've put your faith in this one whose timing is perfect, who gave his life for you, that's your first step. You won't truly be able to keep in step with the Spirit of God until you get into that tank and get dunked. Why? It's not because it's warm water. It's not because it's all about you. It's all about him, and he commanded it, so we do it. And there's a celebration in heaven when we do that. And he's invited us to publicly declare that. Pentecost is the fulfillment of verses like Ezekiel chapter 36. The prophet there says, I'm going to give you, speaking on behalf of God, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The day at Mount Sinai when God spoke, he wrote the law on tablets of stone. When he began his movement, the second Pentecost, that day in Acts chapter two, he wrote it on their hearts. And he's still in the business of replacing hard hearts with soft, tender hearts, pliable hearts in his hands. He could give you that new heart today. Would you bow your hearts and I wanna pray. And we have left time today intentionally to sing and to invite God's spirit to respond. And I wanna pray for you as the team comes. Perhaps this is like, whoa, wow this is more than I bargained for today. This is the power of God's spirit for you in this place. And I wanna invite you just to come humbly to Jesus. For some of you, you're really struggling with the timing of things right now. Maybe it's time to step forward and cross that line of faith. For others of you, you're struggling with knowing How to share with your coworkers, how to tell students in your classroom or on your teams. You need that power, that boldness, that faith to be able to share and be a witness. You see, that day when the birthday of Jesus movement began, it was about the nations. Do you have that power? Have you stepped forward in the power of God's spirit? He wants to pour it out upon us. He's promised to do that and he's still doing it. Heavenly Father, we are blown away by your capacity to orchestrate time far beyond our wildest imaginations. God, we're convicted by our lack of trust in your perfect timing. Lord, would you please forgive us? We struggle with trying to control the timing of virtually everything in our lives from birth to death, to jobs, to relationships. But Lord, we're not here today by chance. You wanted us to hear this message today so that you would have space, so that you would speak to us about what you long to do to help us to step forward with the power that you offer us. Not power, God, for our own sakes, but rather for the power to help someone else to find you and to follow you. Lord, would you fill us today with that power that you poured out upon the first followers that day that your movement was birthed? God, we need it. We have loved ones, we have friends, we have acquaintances who are far from you. We're struggling to share that good news with them. Lord, We want to see them have a new heart, a new spirit. We want to see them move forward to follow your ways, to follow your laws. Lord, we need that. We need a new heart. We need a new spirit. We need the strength and the trust and the faith to trust you for your timing. It's perfect. We've seen it orchestrated over thousands of years. If you can do it then, you're doing it now, and you can do it in us. So help us in the seasons of waiting. Help us, God, now as we pray, as we worship, as we sing these songs to you, be blessed by them. Pour your spirit out upon your people. We come expectant. We come by faith. We ask, we're asking you, God, today to renew within us a passion for you, for sharing you with this dark world. For those that are not yet following you, God, would you release your power into their hearts, their lives? Would you help them to experience that new birth that you offer us? Help us, God, all, wherever we find ourselves now as we sing to do so in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.